about the Project Aquarius and about the Interplanetary Phenomena Unit documents. I mentioned that I have been able to ask a military aerospace source if the United States now has secret deep space vehicles for long distance space travel to other stars. And the answer that I received is yes. My source told me that under the new U.S. Space Force, the sixth and newest branch of American military, the sixth, there are at least three long distance space vehicles, each named after historic military leaders. One is the USS Curtis LeMay, named after four-star General Curtis LeMay, who was U.S. Air Force Chief of Staff from 1961 to 1965. I have been told that the USS LeMay has been, quote, crewed in outer space since 2003 and has been to 22 different catalog solar systems in our small arm of the Milky Way galaxy. Along with the USS Curtis LeMay, is the USS Hoyt Vandenberg, a second long distance space vehicle named after Major General Hoyt Vandenberg. He was US Air Force Chief of Staff and President Truman appointed member of MJ-12 that secretly studied UFOs and ETs beginning in 1947. And the third US long distance space vehicle is named the USS Roscoe Hillenketter. Quoting from my source, the Hoyt Vandenberg is built mainly for reconnaissance, stellar mapping, laying out navigation paths to avoid cosmic obstacles, high radiation zones, newborn star development, and making first contact with other life forms. The USS Vandenberg has the largest crew of tall whites and Nordics from Sirius B on board to help facilitate first contact interaction correctly, meaning first contact interaction with other beings, other species in our cosmos. You could say that the USS Vandenberg is really the tip of the spear as we venture out. Just know that this is done under supervision from the two very old and responsible and respected off-world groups, the Tall Whites and the Nordics. Most of the contacts we made in cataloging different star systems have intelligences that are aware that the Tall Whites and Nordics are supervising us, meaning us humans. The Tall Whites and Nordics do not tell us where to go or where to look for other civilizations. They only monitor our activity while being on board our craft, close quote. In addition to the USS Curtis LeMay and the USS Hoyt Vandenberg, 
a third United States deep space vehicle is the USS Roscoe Hillenketter, named after Navy Admiral Hillenketter, who was the first CIA director from 1947 to 1950. He was a member of the Board of Governors for NICAP, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena from 1957 to 1962. Mr. Helen Ketter was also a Truman appointed member of MJ-12 that secretly has studied UFOs and ETs for the US government since its creation in 1947 by President Harry S. Truman. My source adds, quote, the Helen Ketter meaning the vehicle that goes into deep space, is tasked with dedicated group study mainly. It is built differently than the USS Hoyt Vandenberg in the areas of carrying large payloads to the surface of planets and keeping downward stations supplied for long duration of planetary surface studies. Both the USS Hillenketter and the USS Vandenberg have crew from the United States, the UK, Russia, and Germany. The Tall Whites work in conjunction with these other multi-country crews. The Nordic Group is the oldest we have cataloged and have a standing respect of sorts from other groups of extraterrestrial civilizations, mainly due to the Nordic's longevity and keeping peace and any outside non-friendly groups at bay. The Nordics have very advanced technology that they don't share except to say some of their technology is incorporated into both the USS Hillenketter and the USS Hoyt Vandenberg under their, the Tall Whites, supervision. The USS Curtis LeMay has been able to crew in outer space since 2003 because it is a U.S. deep space vehicle capable of deep quantum tunneling protocol, or DQTP. That's the physics of tunneling through space-time with Alcubier warp drive to explore in other solar systems. Deep quantum tunneling might reduce travel time of, say, 50 light years down to only five Earth days of travel. Wikipedia defines deep quantum tunneling as a quantum mechanical phenomenon where the wave function can propagate through a potential barrier. Tunneling may be explained in terms of the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in that a quantum object can be known as a wave or as a particle in the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. In other words, the uncertainty in the exact location of light particles allows those photons to break rules of classical mechanics and move in space without passing over the potential energy barrier. My military aerospace source says that with help from friendly ET allies, such as the Tall Whites and Blonde Nordics, the USS Curtis LeMay was built to explore Earth's interstellar neighborhood since 2003, exploring 22 different solar systems in our arm of the Milky Way galaxy, including 
where blonde, blue-eyed, pale-skinned Nordics inhabit Procyon A and B, a binary star system 11.45 light years from Earth. There, the very bright Procyon A orbits the fainter companion Procyon B. The pair orbit each other with a period of about 41 years along an elliptical orbit. The Nordics also inhabit another binary star system, Sirius A and B. Sirius A is the brightest star in Earth's sky, and there is its much smaller and dimmer companion, Sirius B. That star system is home to blonde, blue-eyed, white-skinned Nordic humanoids, and another humanoid species that lives in water like the historic fish scale people of Mesopotamia and Mali, Africa. But my source of this information stresses, quote, our true friends that help us the most are the tall whites. These extraterrestrials are from 82G Eridani, about 20 light years from Earth, which is one of the 22 catalog star systems that our U.S. Space Force has explored. It is a main sequence star with a stellar classification of G6V and hosts a system of at least three super-Earth planets, close quote. Even in the 1970 book, Habitable Planets for Man, 82G Eridani was given the highest estimate for habitability. Now continuing with information to my questions from the military aerospace source, quote, my source says, quote, and the tall whites are extremely intelligent humanoids with white hair, pale eyes, very white skin, like white chalk. The U.S. Space Force has worked closely with them on multiple programs for a long time. And we have had by far the most interaction with this tall white group on technology exchange. We have also done society studies with their culture at the 82G Eridani star system, where the control of their tall white civilization is mainly based. I myself consider the tall whites to be our earth human source race. And that's my source saying that after everything I have read and heard in meetings through the years. The tall whites keep our intelligence folks in JSOC informed and up to date on what other intelligences are visiting Earth and for what reasons. Linda, you talked about the DIA analyst who told you in December of 1999 that our government had proof that three competing ET civilizations have been fighting over Earth for at least 270 million years. Well, what I've been told is that controlling Earth 270 million years ago was definitely the Sirius B group of Nordics. And these ETs look very close to us humans. If I sat you in a room with them, you would not know they are off-worlders, as we say. The Sirius B group looks very close to Norwegian or Scandinavian people. The texture of their skin is rough like a person that spent most of their life sun tanning a lot, and they have very thin facial features. And then 
My source answered my question about the mid to late 1980s increase in sightings of black triangular and sometimes boomerang shaped craft that blocked out stars as the craft slowly moved in night skies. He surprised me when he said they were not ETs. He said those triangles with lights in the corners were the first US space vehicles that could go out two light years to the Oort cloud that surrounds our solar system beyond the Kuiper belt. My source says, quote, we have had help from friendly ETs such as the tall whites and Nordics that have helped us build craft with worker bee types that we call programmed life forms or PLFs. These are all ash gray small beings that are artificial intelligence. They help carry out missions and use small craft shaped like manta rays, not disks. The ash gray small child size are biologically alive, but they are described in government reports as being a nuisance to operations even, being conducted by the powerful JSOC, the Joint Special Operations Command, that is charged to study special operations and is involved in collaboration with extraterrestrials such as the tall whites and the Nordics. <clears throat> JSOC describes the program lifeforms as being designed for temporal space travel. This is a type of travel that we humans currently cannot do. The PLFs are grown for a lack of better words and are programmed for specific duties and mission assignments just like human pilots are. The extraterrestrials that manage the program lifeforms are the much taller ancient grays. This is a very old race that do not travel through space often. They use these worker drones, the PLFs, to travel through space often. Notice I use the term through space, not in space. When the tall grays travel through space, time as we humans know it, it goes to a zero function of the waveform. That means you can travel instantaneously to any point in the universe in the blink of an eye. This is the holy grail that JSOC wants at any cost. We understand some of the physics, but it uses concepts that are difficult for us to grasp. Linda, our universe is a conscious entity. New studies imply the consciousness of observers are responsible for determining physical reality. And there's more about the little gray program life forms. It is the same type of craft that was involved in the 1947 Roswell incidents. It is shaped like a manta ray with small, flexible vertical wingtips and the wings are also flexible as well. The underbelly was covered with honeycomb-shaped glass ceramic-like structures, which are actually a type of waveguide using what is called CSE, Cavity Structured Effect. The waveguide underbelly works similar to the way a waveguide works in a household microwave oven. Cavity Structured Effect is a key to 
understanding how these manta ray craft fly and levitate so quietly. The key to these cavity structure defect cells and the manta ray shaped small craft is the layering of micron thick various metals, especially magnesium, zinc, and bismuth. The layering of these metals, along with a binding agent similar to doping used in semiconductor manufacturing, is how gravity is nullified. The main component to achieving this nullification of gravity is the bismuth metal. It is the most diamagnetic of all elements. That means it resists magnetic fields. So bismuth is one of the most important metals used in these extraterrestrial crafts. Bismuth is also very important in our human work in trying to do deep quantum tunneling protocol, which is similar to Alcubierre's warp drive. Bismuth is a key component to how it works. We are working on other behaviors of bismuth that are highly classified. Without bismuth, the extraterrestrials cannot travel through space. Bismuth is a direct tie-in with consciousness between minds and the conscious universe. And you're looking at my photograph that I took all the way back in the early 1990s. And what is it? Alternating era, uh, layers, alternating layers of pure black, pure bismuth, one to four microns, alternating with magnesium zinc alloy, 97.6% magnesium and 2.4% zinc, and like a thin, thin tort cake those alternating layers with the pure bismuth are what a physicist told me he studied in the 1970s and came to understand that this was one of the skins of, of the craft that came down in the 40s and other locations and that this skin combined with another skin of pure aluminum with iridium atoms atomically placed are what would allow the beings with their minds and their technologies to neutralize gravity and to move point to point through this universe. So the dots in the Puantilisma are beginning to come to form a big picture. Wow. Incredible reporting by Linda Moulton Howe over there and uh, Earth Files, man. Huh. <clears throat> to even write up what she was just essentially saying, to even write that up, it's a lot. I've been researching uh, into that whole I'll be cure or whatever, however you pronounce it, that tunneling, that quantum tunneling technology. Just kind of curious how that works and how that makes time go 
null basically nulls out time to get your hands on that type of technology be the richest man in the world you could get your hands on some cloaking technology be the richest man in the world but I mean you just get to like watching and you just you can't stop listening to her you just have to just just stop what you're doing I really um, I like the style that she has in her in her reportings the way that she does it she'll always start off with like a few topics and then she works her way she works her way in but yeah man that it's mind-blowing stuff it is it's mind-blowing and we are seeing different crafts in the skies of of all over the world every single day especially now with the invention of cell phones and cell cams you know, shout out to everybody in the chat. What's up, everyone? Hey, what's up, Third Eye? Manual, what's up? Yeah. There's some really, really interesting things. Um, and here's another very interesting trend that you may want to take note of. There has been an increased number of UFO sightings in Ukraine. Now, isn't that kind of interesting? Now, just listen, hear me out. If you do some research on the topic, you will find that during World War One, World War Two, right? Uh, Emmanuel mentions Foo Fighters, okay? Foo Fighters were, uh, you know, a lot of the UFO sightings have been classified under the Foo Fighters over, right? You know, during these these various wars. And when you think, uh, well, also too, um, the Korean War, what was it? The, uh, I mean, uh, like, geez. Hold that thought a second. Hold that thought. It was like the biggest war. I think it was like the Japanese invasion of Korea. But needless to say, you know, it's been several. When we, as United States, went to Vietnam, like, there tends to be like this increased reporting of UFOs and unexplained things that seem to happen and some have related it to this that during times of war there's more dead bodies yeah meaning it's easy dna for these alien beings to pick up because the bodies are there the death is there the activity there has been an increased number of 
UFO reports coming out of Ukraine, where right now, obviously, we have been watching a, a war take place with, you know, Russia and Ukraine. And we're talking about like multiple reports for the last month at least. Is it, and also too, remember the report we talked about, I want to say maybe two, three months ago when we read that story about an army battalion coming up on a pair of reptilian lizard looking men. Yeah. There's also uh, some really interesting stories that come out of wartime, too, especially during the war in Vietnam about, you know, rivermen, lizardmen, all these very strange beings. And you'll find even over time, archaeology even. Lizard men and all sorts of, you know, half eagle, half <laughs> frog. <laughs> but back in September, uh, there was actually a report even uh, with live science even. And I remember even talking about this uh, a month or so ago about how Ukrainian astronomers are even claiming. I mean, like these are the astronomers that are coming out saying, hey. There is a really large number of UFOs that are crowding the skies of war-torn, you know, of this war-torn country. So what's really going on in Ukraine with the whole UFO situation? I'm sure there's plenty of video that has, uh, you know, come out. But they're saying even right above Kiev. That it's not just Russian missiles. There was even a research paper by the main astronomical observer observatory of Ukraine's National Academy of Science. It doesn't get any more astronomy uh, than that, right? But it's pretty sciencey. Yay, science. <laughs> the paper was titled unidentified area phenomena observation of events and it claimed that researchers have detected numerous ufos from two meteor observation stations in kiev and the village of i'm gonna try this or it's like vena vena rivka it's about 75 miles outside the capital and what they're saying is, is this is exactly the quote, quote, we see them everywhere. We observe a significant number of objects whose nature is not clear. This is what the authors of the paper have written. And according to this paper, a cosmic is a luminous object that appears brighter than the background of the sky, while a phantom is a dark object with a completely black body that does not emit 
and absorbs all the radiation falling on it. So uh, are these interested craft? Are they, are they interested in what's going on? Like the war itself? Or is it possible that they have a vested interest or some sort of an interest like, I don't know, scooping up some DNA, like fresh DNA, dead bodies and everything. To see it from two different observation posts, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty creepy. They say dozens of objects, dozens that cannot be scientifically explained. They went into some of the <clears throat> recent steps, like how they came to these like conclusions, right? And they were monitoring like certain things like fast moving objects, low visibility objects in the daytime sky, um, over the city, over these surrounding villages. They used specially calibrated cameras at these two weather stations, right? Um, and they say that with all of these different techniques, that they observed dozens of objects that cannot scientifically be identified as known natural phenomena. They were, you know, of course, these government agencies tend to refer to these objects as UAP. Okay, that's like the new hot word. <laughs> UAP is not even just UFO anymore. I got tired of that. But they did kind of <clears throat> go into like a little more like deeper information, which is kind of cool, right? They said that they actually compared these observations, right? And they estimated that these phantoms range from 10 to 40 feet wide, so 3 to 12 meters wide, and can travel at speeds of up to 33,000 miles per hour, which is 53, what, yeah, 53,000 kilometers per hour. For a comparison, an intercontinental ballistic missile can reach speeds of up to 15,000 miles per hour. So obviously these craft are going <laughs> faster than the fastest intercontinental ballistic missile that is known on the planet, right? So we're talking about doing physical feats that <clears throat> completely break all laws of physics. And of course, they're all like, is it possible that these are some technologies that are being deployed by, you know, U.S., China, Russia, any other nation, any non-governmental entity. Is it possible that some of these UAP reports are, you know, are they possibly linked to some sort of foreign surveillance? 
military technology of some kind. Gotta wonder. Is it uh, airborne clutter? <laughs> is it birds, balloons, ice crystals, classified government projects? We know that the U.S. government has openly renewed its interest in UAP investigations, okay? We, you know, there's been several videos that it, um, have come out, media, showing unidentified aircraft or unidentified something moving in ways that have no technical explanation whatsoever, But I hope that, uh, I hope they continue to move towards a, a spirit of disclosure. Although there are things that will never be disclosed. There's been millions of dollars pumped into black holes, essentially. These government black hole projects. And um, I think it is definitely a topic that one can be interested in their entire life, I think. <laughs> this whole thing. But why is there more? Why, why is this sudden increase of UFO reports happening or coming out of Ukraine where all this war is happening at? It's a very uh, interesting thing that's going on. So yeah, take note. Take note. Listen, I'm about to get up out of here. Um, Shout out to uh, everybody that came through. Uh, I don't know. I think the next stream that I do will probably be like a Mars anomaly stream. I'm probably going to look at a few gigapans, a few uh, Mars images or images from the rovers. You know, it's just one of those days. So definitely uh, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Uh, speaking of subscribing, make sure you get over to the podcast platform. Shout out to the Leak You community. Please join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please hit the like. Thank you. Yeah. I'm about to get up out of here, y'all. Um, I'll catch y'all around, guys. Until next time. They're all linked. And they're all linked to other intelligences in this universe. And we are an intelligence that is currently inhabiting the surface of planet earth and i want to transition to thank you one of the viewers who sent this in on may 7th quote if this universe and all the dimensions surrounding it are an expression, an expression of consciousness willingly separating itself from the point of origin, which would be unity, 
I would assume that every single dimension in this newly formed reality has different degrees of duality at play. I have asked so many times, why is this a universe in which the yin and the yang seem to be pit pitched against each other at every level, everywhere? This writer, one of our viewers, one of our fellow viewers to the Earth Files YouTube channel. The yin and yang principle has to be present with different intensities in each in every layer of this newly formed separate reality. I would speculate that the more you go up in the hierarchy of dimensions, we're in the third to the fourth to the fifth, the more the yin and yang principle starts to gradually dissipate as you go up in dimensions. And when you reach the last layer of this hierarchy, you are about to re-enter the point of origin, where the state of separation, yin and yang separation, no longer exists. 